BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy last year by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. When you're an American Express Platinum Card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? I've, I've lost count. Or, shoot that, shoot that! And even... Checkout's not until 4, so... Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and 4 p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. Yo, next round is about to start. You ready? Yeah, yeah, just shopping for a car in Carvana. For real? Yeah, Carvana makes it super convenient to shop whenever, wherever. For real? That's a ton of car options. Yep, and these are all within my price range. For really real? You can afford that? Yeah, with Carvana. And boom, just like that, I'm getting it delivered in a couple days. For really, really real? You just bought a car. For real, and you just lost. My turn. Visit Carvana.com to shop for thousands of vehicles under $20,000. This is Sharp Money with Patrick Maher and Amal Shaw on VSIN. Sharp Money as we welcome you in on a Wednesday. Hope you're having a nice week. I'm Patrick Maher live from Los Angeles in Vegas. Jared Smith sitting in today and tomorrow. We appreciate Jared. Of course, the big guy, Dustin Sweetelson, and the legit big fella joins us now. <laughs> Jordan Watkins, Pac-12 Network announcer. He played at Stanford from 12 to 16. You can find him on Twitter at BigFella75. Also writes about the Falcons at the Falcoholic, co-host the Falcons Fade podcast. Maybe we should start there. Jordan, thanks, bro. Appreciate you. Maybe we should start with the Falcons because if you take a look at the betting market and you listen to any betting content, it's a foregone conclusion. The Falcons are going to win the Super Bowl. Do you agree? (laughs) Well, I guess the last time I was that optimistic about the Falcons winning the Super Bowl, we saw how that went. So I won't go that far, but... (laughs) I, I really do think that they have a really good uh, possibility of winning the division this year, partially because of what they've added themselves, right? Whether it's in the drafts, the last few years, or free agency this year, especially on defense. But I mean, you look at the NFC South as a whole, too, it's a down year. So I, I really am very confident uh, that they can win the NFC South this year. It's the first time they, they have done it since that 2016 year when they made the Super Bowl run. Jordan, I think. The Pac-12 obviously is about to go through some massive changes, but I do think the conference this year is as deep as it's ever been. It's kind of ironic that this is the swan song because I can make a case for three or four teams to be in the college football playoff. I think at the top, you start with the best player on the planet, Caleb Williams, but they might not be the best team. Assess where USC stands. We know how good Caleb Williams is, but we saw them when they were pushed in a in what I thought was a really tough physical game in the Pac-12 championship last year, and the better quote-unquote team beat them. Do we think this USC supporting cast is good enough to get them across the finish line this year? No, absolutely. And, and I mean, to even hit on an earlier point that you made, this is the best quarterback conference in the country, top to bottom. I mean, you, you look at some of the, the headliners, right? You talk about Caleb, Bo Nix, uh, Michael Penix, and then you go down to guys like Jaden Delora at Arizona. I mean, this is stacked, is stacked conference uh, in terms of talent, especially quarterback play. But in terms of USC, 
And I think you hit the nail on the head in terms of that physicality. Utah, for the last almost two decades, if you will, uh, I've always viewed as one of the more consistent programs in the entire country, and their sense of physicality has led the way with that from the beginning. Now, I do think at the same time, we see some of the additions that USC has made. They improved their offensive line. You know they brought in a um, really talented linebacker from Oklahoma State. They really did do a lot of improvements and a lot of emphasis in uh, strengthening the trenches this year. And I think that's a big part of why is what happened to in those games against Utah last year. So, again, this is going to be so much fun. You, I think USC is going to be really good again. I think I picked them to... To, to win the conference this year, but it's hard to pick against Utah in any given year, especially when Cam Rising is fully back. I know he had surgery in the offseason. Um, you know, Oregon's going to be very tough. Washington, that offense, and, and their skill players, I know they had a, an injury, uh, unfortunately, that they had to deal with, but their receivers, is, they're going to be another talented group, and it's just going to be a lot of fun. And, man, it's you want to talk about a conference that's been known, I think, uh, nationally, for just kind of knocking each other off, right? In terms of that, that you have that one team that's really good and talented, making a, a playoff push, then they have that tough loss late in the season. Like it could be like that this year, but the difference is that team that beats you might be ranked, you know, six or seven instead of maybe it's 17, 18, and or into the 20s as it was in years past. Yo, are you wearing Oregon yellow today, Jordan? What's what's Definitely happening? Not. I'm just no, looking this at is you. A, it's oh, cool. it's the Bay. Yeah. Oh, like the Bay. Okay. Yeah. All right. Pac-12 headquarters up there. Jordan Watkins killing it. Joining us here. Pac-12 network announcer. Big 75 fella. A little correction on the Twitter. Uh, love talking to Jordan about the Pac-12. So Jared brought up USC. They're your favorites to win the conference. They're at plus 195. Your second betting favorite, uh, Jordan, is Oregon at 310. I want to ask you about Washington. You mentioned Cameron Davis, who they lost the running back, but they're loaded. I mean, offensively, this could be the best offensive team in the country. DeBoer is a great coach. Penix Jr., if he stays healthy, the wide receivers are loaded. Where are you on Washington? Oh, I'm very high on Washington. I, I even going back to last year, I was one of the ones, and I know there are a lot of people out here on the West Coast that thought that Michael Penix should have been in New York for the mm. year that he had in terms of that that Heisman, uh, the Heisman uh, Trophy celebration and ceremony. And again, yeah, you come back into it this year. It's another year with Kalen DeBoer once again. A lot of those, like I said, a lot of the talent that they had on the outside is still back. And the thing for me with, with Michael Penix, too, that he's the head that runs that whole offense, he's fearless with any throw that he wants to make. I remember the Oregon game last year, and he's on the opposite hash, or on the right hash. He throws a hole shot in the middle of cover two on the opposite sideline that was perfect. And the thing for me wasn't even the fact that he made the throw. It was you had the confidence in yourself to even try to make that throw, which – I think a lot of quarterbacks, they shy, they shy away from that, and rightfully so. But then that was just one of, I'd say, what, five or six big-time throws he made in that game. You know, the big question with Washington, and it's going to be the same thing I think people have questions about when it comes to a team like USC coming into the year. Offensively, we know that you have it. Now, with what you've done defensively, who you've added, whether it's recruiting or just another year for guys in certain systems, will you have enough to even just be in – adequate defense, right? Like I think last year, Washington in total defense, they were ranked in the hundreds in terms of total defense in the NCAA. And that's just hard to win with, especially in a conference that as we talked about is going to be so dynamic and explosive offensively in any given week to week. 
Yeah, and I, I think that you nailed it, and especially in a, in a conference that is very much offensively driven, the fact that those teams that are supposed to win it don't necessarily have the defense that, that you would expect. Utah does, although last year they kind of went away from what Utah made Utah great defensively, which was they didn't stop the run very well. But Oregon State, I think, is a very intriguing team. First of all, I love Jonathan Smith. I think he's maybe the most underrated coach, if not in the country, definitely in that conference. But the one thing that Oregon State didn't have last year, they had the great defense, they had a good offensive line, they had a great running game. They didn't have a quarterback. Now they might. DJ Uyunglele transfers from Clemson. We'll see what the quarterback guru Jonathan Smith can do for his career. But if DJU is going to play to where we expected him to play at Clemson, to me, that's the missing piece on an Oregon State roster that is stacked already, especially on the defensive side. That schedule, first three games, bing, bang, boom. You should be 3-0 to start the year. Then you get a tough game at the Palouse and then that game against Utah, which will obviously test them. But I think Oregon State, especially with that win total sitting in the 8-8.5 eight, eight range, to me, this is a high upside team this year if DJU can you know, get up to speed quickly. Oh, I agree a thousand percent, and and I've I've said on record before too. I think Oregon State's that one sleeper team that could either win or be right up there, at the top two three teams in the conference, or they're going to be the one that just gets left out. But again, that's just because of how difficult it is to win in the Pac-12 and how difficult it will be this year. But no, I mean the fact that you get DJ coming in, uh, you talked about the, there's a sense of physicality. They remind me of Utah, a mini Utah to an yeah. extent of that they rely on that sense of physicality that they have. And so now that they can also be in that arms race in terms of of being this quarterback driven conference, if DJ is what we think he can and and, and will be, they're going to be dangerous. And I'll tell people this too. Uh, playing in Research Stadium is no easy feat. <laughs> I know there are a lot of stadiums out here on the West Coast, uh, you know, Husky Stadium's viewed as you know, one of the, the prettiest places. It's very loud. Uh, obviously, everyone knows about Autzen, the Coliseum, Rose Bowl. I can go on and on. But Research Stadium's one of those ones where, again, it's smaller, about 35,000 people, I think. But they get you on third down. They play this super annoying chainsaw sound every single time. <laughs> and it gets very – it gets loud, especially when, when they're packing the place. And so, you know, they're, they're opening up the new side of the stadium this year, too. They did the renovations last year. So you, you put all of that together. That is a very tricky, tough team to beat. Jordan Watkins joining us here. Uh, Pac-12 network announcer. I'm going to ask you about your Cardinal. Troy Taylor. So a guy that many nationally don't know, but killed it at Sacramento State. And he's just got about six re returning starters. So it's an uphill battle. The season win total set at three, just to give you an idea. What do you expect year one for Taylor with Stanford? Yeah, honestly, it's... I'm all about this year for, for him is about establishing a culture. That's always the biggest thing for me. Whenever there's a new regime or new coach coming in, you have to set your standard and set your culture. I think that's one thing for Stanford to an extent they kind of got away from these last couple of years. And so you got to reestablish it or just again, establish a new one of what you want. And I think that's, if you look at coach Taylor's history, whether it was a Sacramento state, like you said, or even if you go to his high school ranks when he was in the Sacramento area, at Folsom, that's something he did really well. Those two places were not necessarily always these big time powerhouse programs. And you saw how dynamic Sacramento State was. They were one of the top seeds in the FCS last year. Uh, I think that last game they played, they scored like 70 points or whatever it was. So I, I know eventually once he gets his guys in there, Stanford's gonna be on the right path. You see the big recruiting class that he already has coming in next year. 
amid all this uncertainty, too, I must add, which is even more impressive. Uh, so I'm not worried about that. What I do want to see, though, is just getting that sense of feel of what the culture is. What's the standard that's going to be set, you know, even away from some of the ath the athlete uh, situations, right, in terms of fast 40s or a lot on the bench press. It's those little things that really matter the most. And that's what you see from some of those consistent programs like a Utah or Oregon or what USC is trying to get back to as well. Jordan, about 30 yes seconds. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, go, go ahead, ahead. Please. I was going to say, in about please. 30 seconds, Colorado and Dion. what should we expect this year, Jordan? I mean, just wild situation out there in Boulder. What should you expect? Well, <laughs> the one consistent, you know, Colorado is they're going to have a really cool Buffalo that runs around the field uh, before the game. But no, you're, you're going to, it's going to be fireworks. That's the one thing you can always expect with, with, with Deion Sanders, wherever he goes, you know, obviously I'm from Atlanta. So I know that too, from his time with the Braves and the Falcons, but Expect fireworks is going to be a lot of fun. I, it's hard to say exactly what they're going to do this year because they're such a new team with all mm. the transfers that came in, but there's a lot of talent there, so it's going to be a lot of fun. Jordan, thank you. We look forward to talking to you during the season. Great job. Big 75 fella. Check out the podcast, Fade, the Falcons Fade podcast. Thank you, Jordan. Appreciate you. All right. Thanks, guys. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy last year by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Epic matchup between your two favorite teams, and you're at the game getting the most from what it means to be here with American Express. You breeze through the card member entrance, stop by the lounge. Now it's almost tip-off, and everyone's already on their feet. This is gonna be good. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your live sports experience at AmericanExpress.com slash with Amex. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. This is Sharp Money with Patrick Maher and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the sports betting network. Let's go, Jared Smith. Just got a year fee in. We're one and one with one to play as we welcome you back. Betting splits, money and bets for every game. So we had a town hall recently. Your boy, Len Mead, was killing it. And he whispered softly, the betting splits are the key. 
That's what everybody wants. That's what you want. Go to vsin.com and check them out. It's that simple. Updated every 10 minutes from DraftKings. Today's games and future events. Is, it's one of those things as a tool that you'll always have. You'll just minimize and bring the splits back up. You kind of dance with the splits throughout the season. So make sure you check them out. vsin.com. We got the Phillies across with the year fee. Jared Smith, good job. Dustin Sweetelson. I'm Patrick Maher as we welcome you back here on Sharp Money. Got some breaking news. Good job by Jared breaking it during the break via the gram. All right. This is kind of shocking. Let's talk Jets, boys. They added a few receivers because Aaron Rodgers said so. And by the way, (laughs) did you see the quote from Aaron Rodgers? I think I have it in the big guy's notes. So Rodgers is going to play in the preseason game for the, in the final preseason game for the jets. That's first time since 2018. And he was asked, I'll get to the breaking news, but he was asked, you know, how was the, how was the conversation with your head coach? And here was Aaron Rodgers's quote. There wasn't much of a conversation with Robert Rogers said Tuesday. He said, quote, I think he was a little more nervous. I might have said no, but I was already leaning towards asking him to play. So it was an easy conversation. That dude is a pain in the ass. (laughs) Now. He has one left, one, one less receiver. Remember, offseason, Lazard, Hardman, Randall Cobb came over. You know who's not going to be playing? Corey Davis. He's stepping away from the NFL at the age of 28. Just announced on Instagram that he's going to retire, leave a potential, and Jared's a Jets fan. He can speak to this, a potential $10.5 million on the table. Remember, he was a Bronco out of Western Michigan when the Titans took him. It was a top 10 pick, boys. Uh, a big time player coming out of college, never really lived up obviously to the first round hype and a top 10 hype, but Corey Davis, kind of a shocker here. Jared has decided to retire. Yeah. I never had more than 65 catches in a season, never topped 984 yards. So, you know, top 10 pick never, never cracking the thousand yard marker, I think is, um, I don't want to call it a, a, an unsuccessful career because let's be honest, the shelf life of these players these days he lasted six seasons in the league. I would say that's that's pretty good uh, for a skill position player. But you're right, didn't quite live up to the hype. I, I'm sure it's a personal thing. I didn't get I didn't get a chance to really dig into a lot of the optics behind the story. But at first glance, it, it seems to be a familiar story to what we've heard with a lot of these guys. Maybe the passion just wasn't there. Or, To leave that much money on the table, there's got to be something going on behind the scenes. But the Jets, fortunately, at this position, do have a considerable amount of depth. Yeah, fifth overall. Wow. Not just top 10, top five. Fifth overall in 17 is best year, 2020, 65 catches, 984 and five touchdowns for Corey Davis. However, he has stepped away. So let's dive into the Jets. I think it's a bit of a house of cards where this could all crumble because of the offensive front. The defense is going to be legit. If you start stacking up the defenses, Jared, and interrupt me if you think I'm missing somebody here, you go San Francisco, you go Jets, who were we talking about yesterday? Big guys, one of the better defensive teams in all Ravens? of football, the Ravens. I think the Ravens are lit at every yeah. level defensively. I think there's a big ceiling for the Ravens. Maybe uh, the, the basement a little lower than the 49ers and the jets, but this defense should be awesome. You see the win total set at nine and a half. Love to hear your take on that. Uh, but the offensive line with two injured running backs and a 40-year-old in December under center. There's a lot of talent, but again, to me, a little bit the Jets, a house of cards this year. The offensive line is absolutely crucial, and Aaron Rodgers will bail them out of some situations this year, but 
They need, and they just activated Dwayne Brown from the pup today, which was huge. He's going to be at left tackle. They need Mackay Becton at right tackle to just play like a yes. first round pick. If I, I know that sounds crazy to base a season off of a right tackle, but Mackay Becton, because of how far off the plane, planet Earth, he fell, if he comes back and plays to the level that a lot of Jets fans hope and a lot of the organization expected, then things change a little bit. Because let's be honest, I do think Aaron Rodgers, you've read the memes and the jokes about him in this photo shoot with the Jets uniform. It looked like he was in a Halloween costume for a child, uh, Aaron Rodgers. Like, it's just, he definitely looks like he is a quarterback that's approaching 40 years old. Tom Brady had the same situation last year. The difference was Tom Brady had the quickest time to throw rate in the league and historically has one of the quickest time to throw rates in the league. That's not quite the Aaron Rodgers vibe. He's a little more gunslinger mentality. He's a little more absorb the pressure, break the pocket, make the throw. Harder to do that when the pressure's coming sooner than it has in prior years because your offensive line's a little porous and you're not as quick as spry as you have been in prior years. The Jets at their core, everyone thought, oh, Aaron Rodgers, they're going to be a fun and gun MVP kind of. No, the Jets are a running team with a good defense. They want to win games 24-21. They don't want to win games in the 30s or 40s. So I think the overall scheme needs to be a lot like what we saw in Green Bay last year, run heavy on early downs and a lot of really slow, methodical drives and then keep that defense fresh and able to rush the passer. Because, man, they've got some dudes up front, Patrick. The kid they drafted, McDonald, out of Iowa State, I mean, he looks like an absolute force. And I think they're going to continue to get after you They had the highest pressure rate in the league last year with one of the lowest blitz rates. That is always something I look at. Can you generate pressure with your front four? The Jets are better than anyone at doing that. And then you add some key pass rush pieces. You hope the secondary with Sauce Gardner plays up to that level again as they did last year. There is a lot of exciting things with this Jets team, except for the offensive line, which is a massive question mark. Totally. I think the defense could be special, Yeah, like really special. I totally agree with you. I think there's some unknowns there that could really pop this year as well as you just highlighted, but the schedule is not easy to start. So let's jump in Monday night football. They host the bills. What's the number on that Jared right now? It, basically a pick them, but I see the jets as like a point dog point and a half. Okay. I, I, so I would play the jets as a dog in week one. I honestly think that's the bet week one. Take all dogs week one. It's been my, <laughs> it's been my motto for like 30 years. Uh, okay. So the jets host the bills. Then they go to Dallas. They come back and host new England, maybe a bit of a respite in week three, but then they got the chiefs coming to town. They go to the Broncos and they have the Eagles. And then I think that's their week six by week seven by correct. Yep. After the Eagles, they go into that by that is a rough stretch for your boys to start gang green. It's brutal. And I'll be honest, the game coming out of the bye is going to be another physical war. You've got – see, I don't think the Chiefs are going to be as physical of a team as we expect. Patriots will be. And then you've got Eagles, Giants sandwiched around a bye, thank goodness. I would say Eagles and the Giants, Eagles being the way they run the football, the toughest team to face physically, I think. And the Giants, just obviously the rivalry factor, they don't play. It's like a presidential election. They only play each other every four years. That always adds to a little bit of the hubbub. I don't know. If, I don't think the Giants have a bye before that game. I, I think that's advantage Jets. But it, there, there's two ways to look at this scheduling-wise. I, I think the, 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 the price of the Jets is baked into the schedule. But if they 
can go three and three or God forbid four and two in those first six games, you're getting a bargain right now on the Jets Super Bowl prize because the rest of the schedule is not that difficult. And if they can get through what everyone is narrating right now as the toughest six week stretch in all of football this year, man, there's a light at the end of the tunnel with this Jets team. And I think that actually might benefit a veteran quarterback. Get the tough games out of the way early when I'm fresh and then coast late. So I'm not saying they're going to go three and three or four and two, but if they do, that price next to the Jets right now is wrong because the upside with this team is Super Bowl. I mean, let's be honest. That is the goal. And they're being priced right be. now is kind of a, just a playoff contender. Has to be 100%. Worst case scenario and the expectations that they're just going to gel and click offensively, big guy, that I, I don't think it's a given. Let's put it that way. No, no, but that's where that, that week seven by being earlier comes into play. And I think it'd be beneficial to them. Cause, cause as Jared said, I see them before the buy going three and three. I think that makes perfect sense. They're a great buy low candidate at the buy and keep in mind they're home versus Philly. They stay home for their buy. The giants is a road game, but it's a, a home game because it's the yeah. same stadium. Then they host the chargers. They're going to be at home in their own beds for a month straight. Yep. That will be massive at that portion of the season. Then you come out of the gates and you have the Raiders and Atlanta and Houston and Washington and a lot of beatable teams down the stretch. I think they're an 11 win team. I think they could possibly win 12. I think this will be a team though, that gets off to a little bit of a slow start. You buy low as things come together and their goal will be to be hitting their stride as the season comes to an end. And I actually expect them to. It's fair. Can I get a, can I get a 32nd hard knocks review from you, Jared? Because I haven't watched one week. Fantastic. But, but here's, here's the thing about it though. It's never bad. It's just, varying degrees of excitement level and interest in the particular players. Aaron Rodgers is a very interesting character and we are getting an in-depth look. So it's impossible for it to be bad. We, we've never had a starting quarterback yeah. of or star yeah. of his caliber. Allow the, I know this will not surprise you, Patrick, uh, allow the cameras to follow him as much as Rogers. Uh, -uh. he's the only dude that went to a darkness retreat with a camera crew. So, yes, my assumption is he's cool with the cameras being around. Oh, hey, guys. Jerry Palm joins us next non-conference schedule talk college football. This is Sharp Money with Patrick Maher and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the sports betting network. All right, legendary sports better Billy Walters recently sat down with Brent Musburger to discuss his new book, Gambler, Secrets from a Life at Risk. Now for a limited time, get a free copy of Billy Walters' new book when you become a VEASAN Pro annual subscriber. So you get a full year. Just sign up and use the promo code Billy, B-I-L-L-Y. Get an entire year of VEASAN Pro access to our daily best bets, season prep, betting guides, 24-7 video access, and pro tools like the betting splits we discussed. Remember to use the promo code Billy when you sign up and you get a free copy of the book. It's pretty cool. Copies are limited, so sign up today at vcin.com slash subscribe. It's vcin.com slash subscribe. Dustin Sweetelson, Jared Smith. I'm Patrick Maher. This is Sharp Money. Jared has some news. 
Ursay's trying to pull the okie doke on the rest of the league, and the rest of the league is pointing back like that meme with Spider Man. <laughs> like, dude, you've got a running back. It's devalued. We know what you're trying to do here. What's the latest on uh, Mr. Taylor there with Indianapolis, Jared? So, this is from Adam Schefter. The Colts have given Jonathan Taylor until Tuesday. I'm assuming they mean next Tuesday, considering this past Tuesday was yesterday, um, to find a suitable trade partner. And apparently six teams have inquired and they've received two offers. And I'm sure the offers are fair offers because let's be honest, at this stage of the analytical world we live in, assuming that the two teams that made offers have analytics departments, they have an algorithm for what these guys are worth. And they probably made a commensurate offer, maybe slightly lowballed, and that's how negotiations work, right? Maybe they meet somewhere in the middle. But the thing that's ironic about this, the Colts aren't willing, and, and Rich Eisen did a fantastic uh, monologue on this yesterday. It, the, the Colts are willing to, not willing to pay Jonathan Taylor what he wants, but they're asking for a package back, which is equal in value to what Jonathan Taylor wants to be paid. So it's like they're not willing to pay him, but they want to get back what they're not willing to pay. It's just it's a really weird situation, and it's not going to move the odds board that much. Like, for instance, if he goes to Miami or one of those teams or Dallas, I heard a rumor. I don't think it's going to move the win total or the futures, the Super Bowl odds that much, but it just doesn't make any sense why Indy would be so, you know, penny pinching about him, but then go out and ask for a first round pick. Like you're not willing to pay him what he's asking for, but then you want other teams to pay you what you are not willing to pay him. It's a very weird way of doing business. Yeah. They want commiserate. They want what's commiserate, but it doesn't make any sense because uh, we, we know exactly why they're looking to move on. They don't want to pay the position. Uh, It's fascinating. You take a look at the next team odds, two and a half to one on the dolphins, the Bears are sitting four to one. They're talking mm. Jonathan Taylor, who's got until next Tuesday. The, look, here's the bottom line, Jared. In a vacuum, all of these teams could use them. Of course. It just doesn't make business sense. I, I, I think, and that's what I said when the Jets signed Dalvin Cook. And you're talking to a Jets fan that most people were texting me like, oh, you should be over the moon today. I'm like, well, you know, Dalvin Cook's 35th in rush yards over expected last year. So I, I don't, you know, what do you want me to, you know, you want me to do backflips over that? Like, yeah, he's a good player, but unless you are a transcendent type player. And I think Jonathan Taylor is a fantastic running back. Sure. If he gets traded to the dolphins tomorrow, the dolphins win total probably doesn't move. And maybe it moves an inch. Like I just, I don't think, and Mm. it shouldn't move. Frankly, I, I, I think these running backs, they are not valued in the gambling space. They're not valued to these teams. And I, I think maybe some of the discourse, maybe the, the narrative might push some of the futures odds in one team's favor. And maybe Jonathan Taylor is one of the few running backs that would move a market. But I just think in general, it's like throwing a pebble into the ocean or, you know, into a lake. It's just, it's going to maybe make a small ripple. But at the end of the day, I don't think it is going to have an impact on how a lot of the experts and odds makers view the expected success of that specific team. I think he said it well. Narrative eventually could move the market sure. a bit, but the impact of a running back jumping a team ain't going to do anything to the mark to the market immediately. So, and again, tremendous player, wonderful player, but it's just it it, it it's it, it's we're a in a different world of the NFL. Today. Yeah, we're in a completely like if different. If this was world. ten years ago and Jonathan Taylor gets traded, it's the biggest story, and it probably it maybe even moves the odds. But today, I just think the overall valuation of these running backs 
is kind of common knowledge now amongst the the front offices and the odds makers and you know the analytics it just it just doesn't move the needle it's fascinating with football in the NFL in particular when you talk about moving the number and the impact on the number, it starts and ends with the quarterback. Absolutely. I mean, you talked about Rogers earlier. You, there's always a big time receiver goes down. You look immediately to the market to think there's going to be nope. some significant movement. It's never what you expect. I'll give you a couple of very minor examples of not a quarterback moving a market considerably cluster at one position. For example, Fair. the entire offensive line is hurt. Three out of the five starters are banged up this week. They are going with backups at left tackle, right tackle, and center. That would move a point spread. Same thing on the defensive line. The entire rush group is hurt. You're dealing with backups at rush end, backups at outside linebacker, backups at cornerback. Clustered position injuries might move a number. I don't think one player at a non-quarterback position has really any impact on a point spread. Totally agree. Well done. Jonathan Taylor. So he has until next Tuesday, Jim Ursay doing Jim Ursay things. I love the quote. Ursay coming out and being like, dog, I'm going to die and I'll be forgotten. So you're a running back. What's up? I mean, that was essentially what he said like to the media. Like, okay, Jim, do your thing. Do you Jackson Smith and Jigba? I think we all agree a lot of expectations. Seattle killed it in the draft this year. Lockett and DK as well. Uh, he was this morning offensive rookie of the year over at DraftKings 14 to 1. He is now sitting 20 to 1. Why? He's going to be out 3 to 4 weeks, potentially there for the opener, but he's fractured his wrist so he's got surgery coming. I think he fractured it on that touchdown catch against Dallas. I I I'm not exactly sure. Wow. Uh but is that what it was, Jared? I believe I, it I might know. have been. I don't know. I heard about the injury yesterday. I didn't know how he injured it. So fractured wrists. I mean, that is obviously a position of strength right now for Seattle, but it led me to questioning and starting to take a look at the offensive rookie of the year market. So Bijan's plus two seventy five. He's your favorite Bryce young, starting for Carolina, your number one overall picks five to one Anthony Richardson, who is, we were just talking about the Colts going to be your starter. He's sitting six to one. I I'm taking a look at a player that's sitting 10 to one. It's another running back. It's Jameer Gibbs yeah. who is 10 to one. He's a number 12 pick. It was a little, it was a shocker, frankly, when the lions selected him. but the running backs transition from college to the NFL is generally a little more swift. It's generally easier. You see Kenneth Walker, Damian Pierce. We can go on and on Etienne Once he was healthy, that transition doesn't generally, it's not as taxing for the running back and Gibbs who was freaking ridiculous at Alabama, 1370 in total yards, 44 catches, which is like what you'd like to see for a running back. Obviously seven yards per touch at Alabama Bijan's plus 275 who probably between the tackles, not probably he's a better runner than Gibbs, but Gibbs and he has an offensive coordinator that is just going to absolutely exploit him in the best way possible. If you're a lions fan and Ben Johnson, I like Gibbs sitting there 10 to one. I, I love Jameer Gibbs. I think the number makes sense. The number does not make sense on Bijan Robinson. It makes no, absolutely no, no, no. zero sense to bet that number. Now, please don't buy that hype. First of all, he's got a thousand yard back last year in this backfield that I think is going to still be prominent in this offense. And Tyler Algier, Running backs haven't won this award since Saquon Barkley um, back in 2018. It's been two straight receivers that have won this award, Garrett Wilson and Jamar Chase. I think 
you could maybe buy low on Jackson Smith and Jigba, and I'd also take a really strong look at Zay Flowers. I, I think he looks like the most polished of all the receivers in this group. And granted, I haven't watched a lot of Jordan Addison yet, but I watched a lot of Zay Flowers the other night when the Ravens were going for their, I don't know if you guys heard, but they had won 24 straight preseason games before uh -uh. the game the other night. I, I never heard that. I didn't even know it was a, a thing. But he looked really smooth and polished. I don't know if the transition's going to affect him as much. I, I love Jameer Gibbs. I would say those are the two tickets I'd want pre-flop. Gibbs and Flowers, and I'll wait to see on uh, Smith and Jigba. Here's the thing that scared me about JSN. So when I was looking at the Seattle numbers last year, they threw it the most out of 11 and 12 personnel, and they just don't, or excuse me, out of 12 and 13 personnel, which is two, two and three tight ends. They didn't have a lot of three wide receiver sets last year. You got Lockett, you got Metcalf. Do they adjust that formation allocation this year and run out of more 11 personnel, which is one running back, one tight end, and three wide receivers. If they throw out of that formation more and get JSN on the field more, I would consider looking at him. But now you get a couple of weeks without him where maybe you can reassess, you know, what Seattle's doing offensively. But I, I would probably stay away from him. I, I, I think Gibbs and Flowers are the two free flop, pre-flop tickets I would, I would want in my portfolio. Quickly proposition receiving yards for a guy that you're intimate with. Not in that way, but you understand <laughs> Jahan Dotson, 700 and a half receiving yards. Are you freaking kidding me? First I off, love, McLaurin could him. be out with turf toe. The contested catch rate from Dotson was ridiculous last year. He was 14th highest as far as average depth of target. So you mentioned the downfield activity is going to be there. I think they're going to open it up. I think the is going to stretch the field a little bit more. You saw that with Howell being able to stretch the field in the pregame in the preseason game. We just saw against the Ravens seven and 700 and a half on your boy Dotson over, over. stud. Awesome. Jerry Palm is next. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy last year by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. matchup between your two favorite teams and you're at the game getting the most from what it means to be here with American Express. You breeze through the card member entrance, stop by the lounge. Now it's almost tip off and everyone's already on their feet. This is gonna be good. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your live sports experience at AmericanExpress.com slash with Amex. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 
2025 QX80 coming this summer. This is Sharp Money with Patrick Maher and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the sports betting network. We're going to get to the toughest and weakest non-conference schedules with Jerry Palm. But first, power ratings, picks, previews, predictions, pro, as in become a VEASAN Pro subscriber and get an all-access pass to our betting tools, betting splits, and the 2023 College Football and NFL Betting Guides. Both the College Football Guide and our NFL Betting Guide will have you ready to turn a profit on the gridiron this year. The only way to get the guides and everything we have to offer is to become a VEASAN Pro subscriber. You can do that at vsin.com slash subscribe. It's vsin.com slash subscribe. Jared Smith in today and tomorrow here on Sharp Money. Dustin Sweetelson, I'm Patrick Maher. We're going to talk to the great Jerry Palm, of course, cbssports.com, college football writer. You can check out the new article, which is great and very important for a better when talking college football. He breaks down the toughest and weakest non-conference schedules entering the 2023 college football season. Of course, always a factor as far as college football playoff selection process and the committee. First off, hi, Jerry. Thanks for joining the transition from college basketball with the brackets into college football. Are you ready? Yeah, I get four months to get ready for that. It's <laughs> it's the other transition that's hard because those two sports are played at the same time. The end of football and the beginning of basketball overlap by about six weeks. So, yeah, this transition is not so bad. With the team that we should start with here, and we'll start with the SEC. And I thought you did a great job explaining the importance of scheduling non-conference. And Florida, who's a team that's kind of gutted year two for Napier, but they have the toughest non-conference in the SEC. Let's start with the Gators here, Jerry. Yeah, well, the thing about Florida is they've got to go to Utah. And Utah is, what, the two-time defending Pac-12 champion? You know, so they're going to be competitive. That's probably going to be at least a top 15 team. And, you know, you want to get off to a good start. That's not really a, the, uh, the game you want to try and get off to a good start. Now, last year, of course, they won that game. Uh, but it didn't hold Utah back. So for Florida... You know, I think if you if you want a good start and you want to show that you can compete in the SEC East, at least behind Georgia, uh, this is an important game for them. Jerry, the other big dog uh, in the Power Five landscape, obviously the Big Ten, and it's kind of funny the the two biggest dogs in that big dog conference are on opposite ends of the toughest and easiest schedule spectrum this year with Michigan and Ohio State. Yeah, well, Michigan, this is the second year in a row. They're not playing yes. anybody. I mean, no one with a pulse, and that's intentional. I mean, they're taking the first three games to use the scrimmages. Last year, they were settling a quarterback controversy. That won't be a problem this year. Uh, but they, you know, they know they're going to get two really good opponents for sure in Ohio State and Penn State in their division every year. So they're letting the conference carry their schedule for them. Uh, for the college football playoff committee and using their three non-conference games as basically, you know, a little bit more than a scrimmage. So it's, uh, it, it, and now this year, Harbaugh is not going to coach any of those games. He's going to serve a three game <laughs> suspension. So, and, but I mean, let's face it, any of us could coach those games, right? It's just, you know, put your starting lineups out there and then pull them at some point, ideally. Uh, so yeah, Michigan, you know, pretty bad schedule, but let's face it. Nobody in the Big Ten is really testing themselves with the possible exception of Ohio State, who's going to play at Notre Dame. Now, the other two games are not exciting, but at least they're going to play at Notre Dame. But you can count on one hand with fingers to spare the number of games in, in either the Big Ten or the SEC that get you excited 
about non-conference play. And I think I threw an honorable mention into for Purdue because they're at least playing two uh, Power Five teams, both from the ACC, Syracuse at home and Virginia Tech on the road. Those are not necessarily great teams, but they're still power conference teams, and they play reigning uh, Mountain West champion Fresno State. Jerry Palm joining us here. Sharp Money, Visa and the Sports Betting Network. We're talking non-conference strength of schedule. Great article over at CBS Sports. You should check it out. Let's talk about the Pac-12, Jerry, while we still can. The toughest as far as non-conference, Colorado. The weakest, and Jared was just talking about Oregon State and the Beavers have high expectations this year. Non-con, they should be able to get it done. Yeah, I think so, too. I mean, San Diego State is, is a decent program, but they get them at home. Uh, San Jose State. You know, I think Oregon State's schedule is set up for them to have some momentum going into conference play, and that's my sleeper in that league. You know, Oregon State's going to be really feisty this year, being left behind as everybody else goes out the door, uh, and they're going to be tough to beat. So, uh, you know, maybe 10 wins for them this year is a possibility, especially if they can take take care of business at home. Uh, That non-conference schedule sets them up, you know, for a nice soft start uh, going into what should be a really competitive top of the Pac-12 in its likely final year of existence. And by the way, when we talk about strength of schedule, from the betting perspective, this helps you with win totals because you you try and figure out what these teams are going to do in the conference, but their non-conference schedule might be the difference between an over and an under on a win total. Yeah, that's why I love Oregon State's uh, over eight wins this year because of that early start three wins you would expect right out of the gate. You get three uh, dubs and then you move forward from there. The big 12. I mean, listen, most of the time they're an afterthought in terms of the national picture. Maybe Texas kind of gets into the race a little bit. They've got a tough game against Alabama. And there's a couple of other very interesting big 12 non-conference games this year, Texas tech against Oregon and West Virginia going to go play my Nittany lions up in happy Valley. But on the other end of the spectrum, there is a team that has a pretty easy non-conference schedule in the big 12. Yeah, it's the the Big 12 is, uh, you know, now they only play three non-conference games. So, you know, you, you don't have a, a lot to work with. And the the big, the, the schools, the new members, the BYU and Cincinnati, Houston, uh, th- those schools are disadvantaged because, you know, they didn't really, ha- they had to adjust. And especially BYU, who was playing as an independent, had to dump a bunch of games to get ready to play uh, at this non-conference schedule. You know, a conference schedule, I mean, for the first time in a while for BYU, so they end up with schedules that are not quite as good. You know, for that league, you know, Texas is a favorite, and I have a hard time trusting Texas as a favorite. But I also have a hard time trusting Oklahoma because they didn't really haven't gotten off to a great start under Brett Venables. And now, you know, we're supposed to believe in them again this year. I'm not so sure. And that's a program where they go to the SEC is going to have to step things up a notch or, or they could really get left in the dust there. Uh, But the Big 12 was in the national picture last year with TCU getting to the championship game. It's true. Absolutely. Absolutely. Let's go ACC. And you mentioned, Jerry, over at CBSSports.com, as far as non-con schedule, like the SEC, every ACC team will play four non-conference games with one coming against an FCS opponent. Let's go down to the toughest. And how about Georgia Tech? Of course, the rivalry with Georgia. But I guess the good news for Georgia Tech, you get them at home this year. I'm sure yeah. that'll make it easier. And then yeah, also another SEC, <laughs> another yeah, SEC poor Georgia matchup. Tech. I mean, they're just not equipped to play that game. They're, they're just not. No, and no, you know, the, the, I like the, you know, for I, as much fun as I make of non-conference schedules, I like the fact that you've got four in-state rivalries that cross the ACC SEC border. And the most interesting of those this year is Clemson in South Carolina because you've got a Clemson team that's a potential 
you know, playoff contender and an up and coming South Carolina team to get Spencer Rattler back again this year. And, uh, you know, Beamer, Shane Beamer's done a really good job with that program. So I think that game is going to be a lot of fun. And usually when you see a team in either of those leagues playing a strong non-conference schedule, it's because their rival in the other league is a good team. And for Georgia Tech, I mean, it, they can play Georgia and three Atlanta high schools, and that's still going to be a really difficult <laughs> schedule because Georgia. Jerry, I know that um, it, this is probably tough to predict because the, the schedules are so locked in years in advance, but with all this conference realignment, what is the future of non-conference scheduling in major high power five college football? Yeah, I think you're going to see some weaker schedules maybe because you know, especially in the Big Ten and the SEC, where you're going to really be top heavy with big name programs. And, you know, those, you, if you've got to play two or three of those in your conference play, and then you're still going to have some other teams that are good, but maybe not that level, you might not want to do too much damage to yourself in non conference play. TV will set up some good matchups. They always will uh, in non conference play, but it might be that the only really good matchups we get are the ones that TV wants to put together. Mm. Jerry Palm, CBS Sports. Where'd you go for vacation? You had four months, Jerry. I'm just curious. Where'd you go? Where did you go away? Did you enjoy yourself? Um, well, we did a lot of little weekend things here and there uh, for for vacation trip this year. I had a a kid at, at Harvard for the summer, oh. um, and I had a you know a kid getting ready to go back to Purdue. So, and two oh. actually two of them going back to Purdue. So, when you've got college kids around the house, there's not a whole lot we can do. But we took weekend trips here and there, um, and probably the the biggest one, I guess, was when we took nine people to Central Indiana Lake and uh, had a just weekend hanging out on the lake. Harvard and Purdue. Genius. Well done, Jerry. Smart family. Well done, my friend. Smart kids. Yeah. Awesome Girl, job. Off blockhead. <laughs> <laughs> JP Palm CBS on Twitter. Of course, the brackets during college hoops and, of course, college football writer over at CBS Sports. Thank you, Jerry. Appreciate it. Thank you. Okay, there goes Jerry Palms. I've been doing it for a long time. Does a great job. That is a great article. As Jared really mentioned, if you like Oregon State, you'll go non-con. They should go over their regular season win total because it is soft. When we returned, we have a professional handicapper, one of the great Scott Spritzer, is going to come by the studio. The breaking news, Corey Davis has decided at 28 to retire from the Jets, but they've got talent outside. The offensive line will continue to be the question. We'll discuss that with Scott and more coming up. It's VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. And that makes us FACET for life now, I guess. <laughs> Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. You deserve to treat yourself, so turn your tax refund into a U-Fund and give yourself a Straight Talk Wireless Extended Silver Unlimited plan and get a new Samsung Galaxy A14 on them. You can get a great everyday value on wireless with Straight Talk's Unlimited plan starting at $25 a line per month for four lines. You'll save so much, you'll be enjoying that refund all year long. It's the refund that keeps on refunding. Find Straight Talk at straighttalk.com or at your local Walmart store.
Taxes and fees not included. Offer valid through 41424 while supplies last. Online only. Must purchase a Straight Talk extended Silver Unlimited plan to qualify. Limit of five phones per customer. Family plan discount with four lines all on the Silver Unlimited plan. Not combinable with auto pay discount. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer.